Okay. Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mental Health Today. I'm your host, Ken Stearns, and we're in for another banging episode. I've got a great guest, uh, Tom DiNardo, and we we already we had a two-hour pre-chat, you know, just like I do with all my guests. <laughs> we connected on, I think, on a, on a kind of a late afternoon and just uh, and had really good conversation for two hours about a whole range of stuff and got to really understand his personal journey. So as you saw with my personal journey there in the, the short intro, this show really is a culmination of me hearing a couple hundred stories across a country, face to face, personally, kind of hearing the common thread being mental health and the struggles that we're all having uh, or have along the way and the various kind of ways we we look at it and tackle it. And then, and then really, for me, a lot of the learning along the way um, from people in that show, starting this show and having now we've got about 125 plus episodes recorded some incredible guests, Tom. I mean, I'm super lucky. I, I get the, I kind of call this, this was C student invites all the A students on uh, over to their house so they can, you know, help him prepare for the final exam. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like, and I, and I've, at the same time, I've given a platform for all of us other C students to, to kind of gleam in what we can. Right. Um, so, our, so Tom, you know, our, thanks so much for taking time out uh, today. And thanks for, you know, being so open and sharing with me the other day. Um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit, uh, a little bit about yourself and how you kind of, you know, cause you've got a cool journey. How did you, you know, and I think it's, a, we didn't talk about this before the show. So little, sorry about that instruction, but a little bit on the compression on the personal journey. And then I want to talk a lot about where you're headed now, because you're kind of in a, you're in a, in a bit of a transition as well. And I think I want to really understand, let the audience know what, what you're working on and what we can see from you coming up. Well, um, thank you, Ken, for, for having me on your, show your podcast a pleasure to be here um like you you know my journey you know we become inspired i guess or we there's a there's an old phrase i guess out of the bible that a ministerial friend of mine a minister had once told me this phrase and then he added his corollary or caveat to it it's you know the old phrase many are called few are chosen he says take that phrase throw it in the garbage, throw it over your shoulder. He said, many are called, or he says, everyone is called. Few listen to the call. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I agree with that. I think that every one of us on the planet is inspired to something greater. The question mm. is whether or not we honor that calling. Um, and I think that part of, you know, what in Hindu culture they call Maya or illusion is that we often buy into societal uh, paradigms and uh, constructs that add to this illusion or seem to make the illusion appear to be real. Okay. Um, the reality, I think, is that for me, I my journey had really was just very unusual. I remember literally having experiences 
having the experience of literally being born. And I would say that my first mystical or God experience was at the age of three and a half after my folks had moved us from Chicago, Illinois to San Jose, California in the late 60s. And um, it, just the experience of being this toddler on, you know, the front doorsteps of this tri-level home, and then all of a sudden being surrounded by this ether and being led to ponder the concept of what is my life? What am I here to do? Mm. And ultimately, like so many of us, uh, I think the creatives, you know, I, I failed at a lot of jobs when I was younger. I had, you know, problems with authority. And um, ultimately, I landed in my dream job, and, which was to become sort of a natural uh, a resources officer or park ranger. Um, mm. And but soon quickly realized at that time with law enforcement being the, the emphasis that, you know, this idea that our consciousness, we we achieve what we conceive. And the idea is that in law enforcement, what you're basically doing is you're, you're paid to basically go out and find problems all day. And having that realization, I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong position. <laughs> I want a life of being able to help others truly, not to penalize. And so I found myself moving into uh, a couple of different jobs that were human services focused and became very involved in spiritual groups, et cetera, and sort of found myself very quickly moving into what you would basically call faith healer work. Okay. And now the strange thing again is that at that time in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, living in San Jose and during the dot-com revolution, if you weren't making a lot of money, you know, you, you were sinking. And so this is where, again, I think the illusion sometimes has us believing that it's more real than capital R reality, the God reality. And so sometimes like you and I, it takes us a few decades or more before we heed the calling. And so I thought I could be in the world, but not of the world. May, held my spiritual principles for a couple of years, but then really quickly got lost in materialism and started my auction business and my wine mm -hmm. and spirits appraisal business and had a lot of success. I was I was one of the country's top charity auctioneers and um but it was all about materialism in my life and it was all about seeking self-aggrandizement. Yeah. And while I became what in society many people would call successful, I was to put it bluntly fucking miserable. <laughs> and, um, and so 30 years goes by and, you know, I joke and say, you know, you hit rock bottom maybe once or in my case, multiple times where I <laughs> a second home there in the, in the land of rock bottom. And a couple of years ago, like so many of us during the pandemic, it was a confluence of events that, uh, really had me literally at the point of thinking, you know, life isn't worth living and but i knew better spiritually that suicide right. was and yeah it's like yeah the poet santiana has said the thought of suicide has sustained many a man through a dark night 
And I just kept saying, okay, one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time. And literally it, it, my life had been sort of like the life of Job up to that point. I mean, you name it, physical ailments, uh, you know, illness, financial, losing just about everything. And ultimately then you find yourself, you know, literally at that bottom of the hole and you have two choices like that old cliche phrase goes, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So you find that when you're in that hole, you're left with a choice. Do you live? Do you die? Mm-hmm. But then you find if you open your eyes, there's creator or your, your higher power, your life force, God. And that's the direction that ultimately I chose. And so I literally got back into the practice of praying and meditating every single day, started having um, the same strong spiritual experiences that I had younger in life. Pretty soon I was having some Kundalini experiences, some uh, profound meditations. The vision started to return. I was getting these really strange dreams that seemed a little prophetic. And that brought me back to then getting going to like LinkedIn, for example, getting rid of the suit and the tie, you know, being this guy who's wearing a black T-shirt, you know, with a skull and crossbones and a cowboy hat and um, just saying, okay, I am going to make the commitment to be a renunciate, to be in service to others. And that is really the path and the focus that I'm on now. And as I continued with that, then I also had discovered an aspect of my heritage that um, had been hidden for decades from our family, which was that my grandmother who married my Irish grandfather was actually Native American. And so that was a real indigenous coming out of the closet experience. We had always suspected it, but every time it was brought up to the elders in our family, they always just quickly kind of pushed it aside and said, you know, this is who you are. And finally, the genealogy was completed. The history was was researched and it seems to be confirmed. And, you know, of course, I have mixed heritage, but mm-hmm. my journey now, all of this has really been an awakening. And it really, you know, if they say in Native American history that, uh, you know, and, and beliefs that nothing happens by accident or chance or luck, everything that happens in our world happens as a result of our choices and decisions that we make. So much like your journey and mine, you know, we both found ourselves being inspired to a higher calling. And in essence, you know, then there's that leap of faith, you know, sort of like the fool card in Tarot, you know, the fool's walking off the cliff. And the question is, do you meet your imminent peril and demise? Or do you have absolutely faith that something greater than you is going to break your fall and carry you? And that's where, when I made this commitment, it was this, this real scary time of how, how am I going to make a living? How am I going to pay my bills? And you find that all of a sudden things just seem to fall into place. You know, you, you find that the bills are getting paid. These opportunities come up. You, you start to find that you're meeting people like through social media, like, you know, our meeting and other meeting, you start to meet 
you find you're letting go of toxic people and people that that really aren't in alignment with your core beliefs. And all of a sudden, what you find as your focus changes, your world changes. And that really kind of comes back to this, this concept of spirituality and this idea of what you conceive, you achieve. And all of a sudden, mm. I find that people that are coming into my life have the same spiritual core values. They have the same ideals of setting aside self-aggrandizement and materialism for the benefit of their fellow human being. And, you know, I think there's no greater or noble calling. And you find, okay. like, yeah, the more that you get into this, this consciousness and this set of core beliefs, the more you seem to evolve and you change. It, it's inevitable that the way that you approach the world becomes dramatically different. And we can talk about that more, but it's, I'm finding this even on a daily basis that the healing that occurs from within and how it manifests in the world outside of myself and the world yeah. around me, it's that in and of itself is a beautiful miracle because it was now reflecting and mirroring back to me my inner beliefs, and my core beliefs. And so my world has changed 180 degrees from where it was two years ago. I was going to ask you, as as you're kind of in the kind of towards the end of that, I was going to ask you that is a very personal journey, and how was that? You know, I was going to just going to ask you how is that kind of you know going, how are you going to turn that and open that energy up to other people? How can you affect change now besides just yourself? Now that you've know this secret, and then you kind of answered it in a in a a little bit that you can see that happening. What is it? Yeah. What does it look like? Give us some more. Give us some more background on that side of it. What does that well, look like? For me, for example, in the last six months, it <laughs> I, I I'm people ask me, are you are you a religious man? And I say, no, I'm I'm really not religious. I'm very spiritual. I believe in God mm. and I believe that God's known by many names. And I don't subscribe to one religion. I would never be so arrogant as to say that one is better than another. I just say God's known by many names, and basically today. I'm a born again heathen who loves God with all my heart. And, you know, I don't need a religion to, you know, it's sort of like a, a, a craftsman when, when you're a carpenter, right? You, you may start out and you're framing a home and you need six tools to do that. And then after a while you become a journeyman and you kind of realize, you know what, I can do this with just four tools. And then you become a master carpenter and you say, you know what, I can do it with two or three. A hammer. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's your skill set. It's, it's how you develop. So back to your point about this, this evolution is, and what am I doing now is I think I certainly wouldn't call myself enlightened by mm -hmm. any means, um, or to use Abraham Maslow's concept with the hierarchy of needs. I wouldn't say that I'm self-actualized, but I would say that, you know, baby steps, and that's what it really comes down to every day for all of us is it's baby steps that each day, you know, I'm getting, I guess you could say many, you know, enlightenment experiences, more realizations, more epiphanies. And so 
where I've sort of say, you know, again, using the Native American circle of life, you know, 30 years later, I've come full circle. But the funny thing is, I think of it more like a spiral or a coil. I'm in the same geographic area that I was 30 years ago, but I'm a little yeah. higher up in the coil um, because I don't have the childhood traumas that I hadn't dealt with, you know, as a young mm. man. And Interesting. so where is this work taking me now is um, really back to doing spiritual healing work with people. And um, I was really quite frightened, but I had to remind myself with all true healers, you're not doing anything. It's not you. It's creator. It's, mm -hmm. it's the higher power, God, who does the work. And I'm just the vessel or channel for that. And so I started to be able to see auras again very clearly. Um, and it's not with my eyes as much as it is the Ajna Center or mind's eye. Um, I started to feel again, like empath in an empathic way, empathy I could feel. And also mm. that can be problematic, especially when you're around negativity, because yeah. you know, I choose to withdraw a lot more from that. But um you know, at the core of it, I believe that we're in a very profound time, a time where on this planet, yes, there's great chaos, there's great mm -hmm. strife. And, you know, some people would say evil. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this idea of a concept of darkness, you know, as being a separate thing. I think that there's always light, there's always God, and we can turn to that at any time. But I think that also God gives us free will. And in that same token, we can turn, mm. if we choose, manifesting negativity in our lives, depression, sadness, you know, mental health issues, or we can choose to evolve beyond that. And I think that there are millions of souls on this planet, as we had talked about, Ken, that people like you with your podcast or the work that I'm doing or others that are talking about sustainability, agriculture, food insecurity, food security, climate, you know, water, soil, um, you name it, um, homelessness. People are doing this work and bringing awareness, I think, to it at a far larger scale. And mm -hmm. I think that as, like Ken Kesey's book, The Hundredth Monkey, you know, as we start to embrace this consciousness, I believe that it's inevitable that it will be sort of like a tidal wave effect that more and more people will start to turn, if you will, towards the light and towards spirituality, turning towards God. And mm. this, I think for me, has led in my life to a pursuit of mysticism. And, you know, people, they look at, you know, like in LinkedIn, you see the word coach. Everyone's a coach, financial coach, spiritual yes. coach, coach, that coach, um, roach coach. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, for me, the idea of mysticism and the definition of mystic is someone who pursues a better understanding of union with the infinite. And 
you know, I really, when I made my own transition, I really thought, boy, you know, this, what are people going to think is, you know, they're going to be judgment. But surprisingly, you know, again, back to that idea that when we're following our calling and we're doing the work that we're really and truly inspired to do, we're not obstructed. There isn't a challenge in our way. And when we meet those challenges and those obstructions, that's when I think when we're not following spirituality or listening to the inner word from our heart, you know, they talk about spirituality is the 12 inch journey. They call it from head to heart. It's 12 inches from your head to heart. So, you know, have you made that journey? Because most of us are up here. But when you make that 12 inch journey from head to heart and you're listening to your heart, you find that all the conflicts and the things that you encountered before were because you were up here and because you were really listening to ego and the negative ego. And that's that's another thing I think about that, you know, we can never divest ourselves of ego. Um, yeah. Yeah. We we have it's hardwired in our DNA. It's what creates fight or flight response. It gives us, you know, motivation to live, survive, you know. Um, but by that same token, we can also control the amount of negative ego and how we respond to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in this past week, you know, there's so much that I've really come up with in my life about epiphanies. Um, you know, that deal with fear, you know, fear can be paralyzing. Um, I hope you don't mind that I'm just kind of going in a stream of thought here. No, I love, I love it. You just keep going. That's why I don't want to even, I don't want to even kind of, I'm just nodding my head. I'm not, I don't want to say like, uh uh-huh, because I'm afraid that'll even interrupt it. Um, you know, I, I really, for myself, you know, I'm coming to real, to two in psychology, they talk about what are called introjects, um, you know, I've been in therapy for years. I believe in therapy. I think therapy works if you are willing to do the work, you know, and if you find a really good therapist, they can be a godsend in helping you with transformation. Yeah. And so in psychology, they talk about introjects and introjects are those very powerful happenings, those events that have happened, usually in our formative years, when we're young, we're children, they can either be profoundly positive that have tremendous impact Mm. on our life going forward, or they can be incredibly negative um, and also stigmatize us and and create um, psychological constructs within us that can work to our detriment. And so, you know, what's really interesting is I think as we start to change who we are by basically embracing and doing the inner work, as they talk about in mental health, um, being willing to face your demons, being willing Mm -hmm. to do things differently, um, for me, this started to begin about a year ago when I was looking at anger and realizing how much anger I had had in my life. And starting then through meditation, you know, I feel sometimes I get inspired. I have what I call my spirit guides, the angelics that sometimes give messages. And I feel that I received a message from St. Michael or Archangel Michael. And one day the message was very clear. Anger 
is self-serving. And it, it was like an aha epiphany. My eyes opened literally from the meditation. And I said, anger is self-serving. And I, I, it stopped me dead in my tracks. I said, <laughs> my God, you know, that is so true that really when you think about it, I mean, as they say again in psychology, anger can be a very powerful motivator to action. And it can, it can initially really compel and propel us to courses of action that can be very beneficial. But when we stay in that thought pattern and we continue, then very quickly we find ourselves in negative territory and it gets worse. And then ego becomes involved and our ego gets invested in it. And we find that then it becomes not only very self-destructive, you know, not to only to other people, but predominantly to ourselves. Yes. So back to this idea, you know, these epiphanies have been happening, like anger is self-serving and, and also the idea of fear. And so I got to a point several months ago where all of a sudden I really was feeling extremely confident for a period of time. And all of a sudden the fear started coming back. And I really was listening to that and focusing on it. And what is, what am I afraid of? Why is this fear coming up? Well, then I realized, you know, again, sort of like that, that idea of the spiral or the coil. I'm in the same geographic area where I was 30 years okay. earlier, but again, a little bit higher up in my yes, evolution. Yes. But I realized, okay, the fear, how do I pragmatically, how do I make a living? Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, and then this idea of imposter syndrome. You know, which is that we're not being imposters. It's that we have doubt in our abilities and in our own gifts and the gifts that we're given from creator. And I really started to have doubt about that. And then ultimately what these, for me, two very powerful interjects that came to mind were the concept of my own self-worth, you know, because of interjects that were imparted upon me through my upbringing. Yeah, of course, so, of course. So, you know, that's been a real uphill battle. And then the other one is the acknowledgement and the realization of how sometimes, whether we're aware of it consciously or we do these things subconsciously, we create self-destructive patterns of behavior that not only, again, hurt those around us, our friends, our loved ones, but really we're doing this to ourselves because we have these false beliefs. So it's been almost a, a paralysis, you know, of realizing, oh my God, you know, I've been, this has been a part of me for my entire life. And now I'm trying to divest that. And I'm also being more kind to myself and saying, okay, breathe through this. You're, you're just a human being having a human life. Um, you're, you're, you experience these gifts from creator and from God, but at the base, you're still just a human being with your foibles, with your ego, you know? And so um, kind of backing up to my spiritual principles, there's some, there's some really, I think it's, and I don't know how far afield you want me to go on your show, but I think there is some very interesting 
theories that are being put forward right now by people that I would consider, you know, mystics, people like David Wilcock, um, that um, he did some channelings about Archangel Michael 30 years ago. And, you know, when you think about angelics, whether or not you believe in the concept, and I, I believe very much in angels, that, you know, when you have an archangel, they can talk to a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand, a million, 10 million people all at once that will all get the same message. Mm. You know, whether, and, and even because time is a construct in humanity, I'm starting to understand that time is not so much linear and a construct in our world as much as time is cyclical and really starting mm -hmm. to understand oh, that spiral. Exactly. And that this message that can be imparted from a greater enlightened being can also happen to all of us, but even in different times in our lives, but be the same message. So I found that David Wilcock was talking, you know, through his channelings of Archangel Michael about what he feels are imminent changes that are happening on this planet, predominantly spiritually. And I said, oh, my God, when I heard this message, I said, this was the same message that I had received from Archangel Michael um, about a year and a half ago. And the gist of it that he said, which applies to all of us, is all your gifts are still there. You may have realized, Ken, in your life, for example, at some time in your life that you were had were more in touch spiritually or that you had certain gifts that seemed to go away, whether they were mm. something spiritually focused like seeing or healing or even being an artist or, or seeing things like, for example, the way Van Gogh sees a, a sunset, you know, or colors in the trees, mm. you know, and those gifts seem to go away. But according to Michael, he says those gifts don't go away you turn away from those gifts and as soon as you focus back on the path that you once were all those things you think you lost they're not lost they're right there so it's like if you go to college and you study mathematics or computer science you may have been a brilliant artist as a kid and then all of a sudden you get into this other world and you're going on a different path well that becomes your focus but as soon as again you focus again on like meditation or prayer work or art that becomes your path and as michael said all those gifts start to come to fruition and more importantly the greater message that michael gave me was he said know that you will always have ego and every day you will fail yeah don't ever believe for one minute that you're perfect because as soon as you do, your lesson's going to come up and you're going to fall flat on your face. But he says in time, as you keep doing the work, ego will become less of a challenge and you will start to navigate through it. And what he also said was that, you know, love is a very profound emotion and in essence, very powerful energy in and of itself, but not every one of us can be in that consciousness. So he said, understand that when you look into the eyes of your fellow human being, know, Tom, that you are no greater than or no less than 
the person that you're looking, whose eyes you're looking into. Right. Absolutely. And know that, you know, you may not be able to feel love towards these people, but if you are completely present, it any negativity that they have, it will be very disarming for them because you're showing that you're completely present and accepting them for who they are with their foibles. And this, again, kind of brings me back to this, to the predominant emotions that I've been feeling, these interjects of self-worth and, um, and also, um, for me, what has always been a challenge of, of you know, self-destructive types of, of behavior, which I think is, is more and more diminishing. And again, sort of to that idea that when we change our focus, you know, our path changes. What's very interesting is that, and I believe very much that again, as we evolve, as our, as we change, our personality changes. So um, I'm finding I'm having far less conflict in my life because my perspective is changing and how I'm approaching people is changing. What I'm also finding is that the people that are coming into my life and the opportunities that are coming into my life now are those that fall directly in line with my core beliefs. So my brother, White Eagle, is an Arapaho medicine man. And the way that we even met, it was, I believe, you know, again, as Native American beliefs, you know, subscribe to is that it was not chance. It was not luck. It was meant to be. It was destined. Oh, for sure. And the orbit that we share around each other now is that he's invited me to study with him, to mentor with him, uh, to learn the medicine ways. And so I'm finding that now this door to this path has been profoundly open. And through working with him, he also understands because, again, our world is changing. And even you're hearing murmurs of this, for example, even in Buddhism, you know, past ideas and beliefs, for example, being a holy man or a medicine man was very solitary. Mm. You, had to, you had to keep to yourself. You had to figure it out for yourself. But our world has changed. We don't live in the same world that we did 100 years ago, 200 years ago. So therefore, we adapt. We change. And so he's allowing me to help him too. And so it becomes very mutual and with great respect and great love, um, you know. And so let me, let me, let me kind of redirect you a little bit on, on at that spot. Um, I, want, I want to be mindful of the time. Um, kind of the question that's been on as you're talking, because you've got, like I said, it's a very personal journey and, you said one thing before you, you defined myth, mythic, mystic, right? mystic. Yes. Yeah, or mystic. You define mystic. And I thought, wow, that could be really so many people can be on that journey. Absolutely. And, you know, so maybe kind of some closing thoughts or a way to pull this together is how, what does that look like for somebody? Cause I'm sure people listening can hear what similarities in their journey. They may not have the gifts or they may see some kind of a, a, a peek behind the curtain to it. But how do people, how would you advise somebody listening to kind of pursue 
their mystic, you know, kind of development and open themselves up to this. Follow your heart. Listen, listen with your heart, not your ears. Hmm. You can see what you see with your eyes. You know, I mean, for example, you know, when we're on the street, God knows we may encounter street people or homeless people, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that, that, you know, you should give to everyone because, you know, it's true. Some people do manipulate other people. That's that's a given. But what's that? Yeah, sorry. Um, But uh, I think that with the. uh, We're led to do the right thing. Yes. And I think when we do the right thing, our heart responds and it opens up. And when we do the wrong thing, we feel it here too. We feel our heart. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, You know, and it's funny because, you know, again, back to this idea of opening up to mysticism, I personally believe that in this world right now, there are angelics that are around us all the time, that our humanity every day is put to the test that I think for a lot of this evolution to happen spiritually, for us to change and become, you know, inherit our mm-hmm. true spiritual soul selves, to become to live up to our potential, our full potential spiritually, I believe is in essence. Now, this is kind of where I come back to the Native American concept of Heoka or contrarian, which is someone who lives opposite of society it's not that you're in opposition to society it's that you're truly following nature you're truly following and listening you're going with the flow the pure flow that that flow of creator so the idea to me of you know when i look at where i'm going now I was in the material world, which was a life out of balance, or as the Hopi Indians say, Koyanaskatsi. And then there's, you know, um, then there's uh, life being restored or balance being restored. And I believe that part of that is that you also then start to do things very different, like you and I are doing on our journey now. We're no longer in corporate America. You know, we're we're not denigrating those people that are in corporate America. We're not denigrating the corporations that we work for. We're just understanding that we're following the path that we've been called to, which may seem like, oh, you know, these guys are are bucking the trend or mm. we're in opposition. But no, we're actually in the complete flow. And that's where I think when you find that flow you agree are divinely within your purpose whatever that purpose is to be a great artist to be a storyteller like you are Mm. um, to be a healer to be you know a seer whatever it is um you know someone who brings about changes in agriculture or soil or water or climate you know homelessness food security we all have our gifts and i guess the question is are we honoring those gifts, you know? And I think when you look at, um, what was the book by Napoleon Hill, Do What You Love, you know, and 
the money will come, you know, or, or follow your bliss. When you follow your bliss, that's when I think it's scary because we have been programmed to believe in these false paradigms for so long that we just think it's real. But when you start to do things that really are more powerful and within call it the spiritual flow, it scares the hell out of you because you're not used to that. And there's this panic. There's this, it's like being rebirthed. You're, you're learning to walk again. You're Mm. being socialized like a child or a puppy, you know, in, in a different way. And it, it does really come down to, I think, trust and faith. But the healing aspects that can occur within oneself, we all have the ability, each and every one of us human beings mm-hmm. has the ability to not only heal ourselves physically and emotionally, but also potentially to facilitate the healing in others. And, yeah. But that journey begins within you first. You know, heal yourself, yes. yeah. heal the world. And, you know, as I say, Find your path, stay on the path, be the path. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that was that was really a good a good kind of a wrap up of the, the responsibility, right, that we have to, to to really explore these gifts. They're all there. We all have something, and you know, not just that responsibility. Once we do it internally, and then to find a way to kind of help other people. Yes. It's good to see you on this journey as well. I mean, it's interesting. It's your second time around it, around the spiral, at least. Uh, and you know, as you kind of as you fall into this kind of spiritual side of it, it'd be curious to see is that complete itself the circle of that, and you're always in that space. And you know, where when you end up in there, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see this journey as it expands. Well, we always have the ability, right, to to heal ourselves, and I think that's. I think that's really the ultimate gift is that no matter what we do that seems to be wrong for ourselves, for the world Mm -hmm. around us, we always have the ability to change, to become something greater than who we once were. Uh, And what I mean greater, I don't mean by ego, but, you know, like you said, Ken, to, to really embrace a concept that's outside of us and greater than us and to, to really refocus our lens our perception of how we see the world and the people within the world i hope we can do a lot more of that tom uh all of us and and especially you know the the I'll kind of air quote leaders uh that we have around the world that they can take this the kind of views that we talked about today i think you're on an amazing journey i really appreciate your time um i can really appreciate the journey too it's very like you said, a good stream of consciousness. And I'll have to go back and, you know, when I get a chance to edit the, the, the bigger file, I'll get to have a chance to play this in the background. Awesome. Well, I really love the work that you're doing with the jar, Ken. And uh, I know you're putting cookies in the jar, but the cookies are there for those of us to take out of the jar. Uh, absolutely. We are, you know, we're filling that jar up with nothing but big balls of light. And, uh, you know, we're going to start dumping it out. We're dumping it out and I'd say dumping it out, but we're spreading it around and, and kind of hopefully all this, all this stuff has a little bit of an impact. Hey, if we can help one person, you know, if one guest out of all these shows can help one person get through another day, it's, it's awesome stuff. 
I'm in, brother. I'm in. I'm in as well. Tom, thanks again. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening and you know following. We've got, I was just looking, I spent some time before Tom came on uh, with one of our interns. And, and this show has really been fueled and helped by a lot by volunteers, uh, young people helping out a little bit. And I had a great chat, a good almost uh, more than an hour and a half with, uh, with a young person who's helping out the show and just going through the show and then finishing it all off with asking them, what could I do for them? What could I, how could I help them? What question would they have for me that I might be offer, you know, some gray haired advice. And it, and it was powerful to be able to, to share, to share some advice that I think was impactful and to get help somebody kind of just, you know, grab up another day, get a little bit of a leg up on the next day. Um, Thanks again. And again, like I said, thanks everybody. Uh, this show, if you're listening on the audio versions, thanks for hanging out so far. And uh, you can find us. We're also live on uh, all the platforms, uh, LinkedIn. We're live on YouTube. So we've got a whole bunch of videos and content around there and Twitter as well. Tom, hang on. I'll see you in 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.